Good morning. What an honor and privilege it is to be with you today. My name is Brad Dayton. I'm actually the campus minister at the University of Pittsburgh here in Johnstown. Uh, it's an awesome ministry. If you get a chance, go check it out on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you got. Just go at PitPCM. Uh, but I'm not here to actually talk about it this morning. I'm here to bring you the word. And so before we do that, let's go ahead and go before the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your love and your compassion, Lord. We praise you for um, and all, everything that you do for us, the way you provide for us, the way that you protect us, the way that you encourage us and strengthen us. God, you are so holy and awesome. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would, as we enter into uh, your word in this time of worship, God, that you would just inhabit the praise of your people. God, that you would give us all wisdom and understanding. And Lord, um, help us to maybe rejuvenate us from the inside out. God, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I want to talk about this morning uh, is one thing, difficulty. Uh, because let's be honest, life is just not easy. I don't think there's a single one of us that would say that our life is perfect, that we never sin, that uh, nothing ever goes wrong, that everything is always good, right? Not, not one of us would say that. And so we don't expect life to be easy, right? So then why is it that when difficulties come in life, we take a step back and we're like, oh, I didn't expect that. But yet, God's word says that we are to expect difficulty in this life. We know it's not going to be easy. We know it's going to be tough. Jesus, he actually says this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So then what is our response when difficult situations happen? Maybe, maybe it's a situation that is uh, solely based on your sin. Maybe it's something you've dealt with your entire life, and uh, it's just something that you could not get away from. You, you kept trying to give it to God, but for some reason, it just wouldn't let go of you. And so that sin brought difficulties into your life as a result of your disobedience, right? Maybe it's a sin that you have given up. Maybe it's, it's uh, a thing that you were struggling with for a while, and you really felt like you gave it to God, and God took it, and then temptation crept in somewhere, and then you fell into that temptation and fell into sin. And that brought along some shame and guilt. Maybe a difficulty that comes up is a situation that's just not in your control. Maybe it's something like a, a car accident or a family member passing away or you know somebody getting cancer or uh, any of those things. T take the past few months, for example. Clearly not in our control. What if it's a situation that is simply just from the enemy? You didn't know we have an enemy His name is Satan the Bible says that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour now here's the thing no matter what kind of situation the difficulty comes from our response usually is fear shame guilt if it's a sin of ours fear of the unknown if it's something that's outside of our control uh, and it puts us into a mindset of of thinking things that just aren't true and that's what happens. When difficulties come, we, we take our mind and our eyes off of Christ, off of God, and we put them on our own thoughts and our own desires, thinking that um, maybe we know a better way how to handle a situation. But in reality, our response should always be to go back to the Word. Always. When we talk about shame and guilt, man, those are two things that come from the enemy. Those things are lies, and shame breeds fear, and fear gets you to a place where you're no longer in communion with God because you feel like you're, you can't come near Him because of the things you continue to do. And the, the situations that are out of your control, maybe they've brought this, this lie into your mindset. Maybe you stop believing the goodness of God. 
Maybe you question, man, if God is so good, then how could he let this happen? And so that drives a wedge between you and your Heavenly Father. Maybe um, those things continue to happen over and over again, and you keep wondering why you keep falling into that same trap all the time. I'll tell you why. Because Satan's a jerk. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. He is. He likes to play with our emotions. And so when we start believing some of those things, when we start telling ourselves some of those things, man, he will work in those things. He will work in the lies and the fear and the doubt and the deceit to, to make us believe or think that we're not good enough, that we can't ever approach the Father because of some sin that's in our life. He'll start working in our life uh, and those doubts and things that we start believing because maybe we feel like maybe God's not that good because he let this happen. So he'll continue to press into that to get us to believe it, to, to get us to the sidelines so that we're not really actively engaging in our faith. See, Satan's only weapons are lies and deceit. The only power that he has over you and me is the power that we give him through our thoughts and our minds. See, Satan will do whatever he can to drag you away from God. That's his whole game plan. He knows he's going to lose in the end. So what his best bet right now is to get as many of you and me who are drawing near to God to back off. Think about it. Any time that you've tried to get closer to the Father through obedience of his word, through prayer, through um, fellowship with other believers, any time that you've made up your mind to say, I'm done with that sin and I'm going straight to God, does it not get harder? Is it not more difficult? Do you not feel like that you're being attacked constantly? And that's because Satan has put a target on our back. Because we're striving for perfection in Christ, and he hates it. He wants us on the sidelines. He wants us out of the game. He wants us to be in a place where we're not sharing God's love, where we're not believing and trusting in the goodness of God, where we're not believing in his provision and his power over us. That we don't believe that he is who he says he is. That's what Satan wants us to do. And he'll do everything in his power to do that. And here's the thing. We have these things that come into play. The shame, the guilt, the doubts, all that stuff. And we feel like we know better. And so we beat ourselves up even more sometimes. And Satan plays on that as well. Because he's such a jerk. Jesus, when he sends out his disciples, he says this to them. He says, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. Be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as vipers. I was listening to a message a while back, and basically the guy said that Jesus was essentially saying to expect difficulty in this life. We're to expect it. We're to expect to be attacked by Satan. We're to expect to have things happen that are outside of our control. We're to expect those things, even our sin in our life, to really wreck our minds and maybe even pull us into a depression from time to time. We're to expect those things. But the other thing that we can expect is that God is good and he is on his throne and he is in control. But how many of us, when difficulties come, when, when, when it's in our control, out of our control, or just lies from Satan, when those things happen over and over and over again, we get fed up and we just want to throw in the towel. Like we're just done with it, right? Because it seems like a constant barrage of all these things all at once, all the time. So we throw in the towel. I can almost see it, that when we do that, God throws it back at us and he says, wipe your face. You're almost there. You guys ever heard that saying? I was so dumb that I threw in the towel and God threw it back and said, wipe your face. You're almost there. And isn't that the truth, though? That we're almost there. 
that we're going to be in eternity with him, in glory, with our brothers and sisters of Christ, praising and glorifying our Father who is in heaven. We are almost there. The momentary struggles that we face in this life are nothing compared to the glory that we will be in when we're with God in heaven. Nothing. The thing that we do the most, though, when difficulties come is we complain. We do. And what Jesus has called us to do, what God's word has called us to do, is to conquer. God's word says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, right? So, how do we conquer? What does that look like? What does it look like for you and me? If we look in God's word, in Ephesians, chapter 6, he kind of sets it up for us. He says, in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. All right, let's take a moment. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Schemes. Plans. Deceits. Lies. Right? That's what Satan has. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's what we're wrestling against. We're not wrestling against the guy down the street that looks like he's got his life together and is making us feel shameful about our own yard that's not mowed yet. We're not wrestling against the co-worker that continually says things about us and lies about us and spreads gossip about us. We're not wrestling against man, the, the, the people in our lives that we don't like because of something that they did or said to us. We're not wrestling against inanimate objects that we get mad at and hit because it's not working the way it's supposed to. No, we're wrestling against the powers and principalities of evil, the authorities against all those things that are in this present darkness, those spiritual forces. That's what we're wrestling against. We're wrestling against Satan and his demons. We're wrestling against sin and pride and lust and, and our evil desires and all those things. That's what we're wrestling against. It says this in 13. Take up, therefore, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day when having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, the belt of truth, God's truth, God's word, all the promises that are in here, everything from beginning to end, everything that it tells you about who God is, his, his love, his kindness, his generosity, his righteousness, his holiness, his sovereignty, all of that is truth. If we fashion ourselves with a belt of truth, if we believe in the truth of the word of God, if we believe in who he says he is, that's what holds all things together. The belt of truth. Fashion ourselves with the belt of truth. And then put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, the thing that goes over your chest, the thing that protects your heart, the breastplate of righteousness. And I know the word says that there is no one righteous, not even one on earth, except Jesus was the only righteous person to ever walk the face of the planet. And when he died on that cross for you and me, when he took our sin, that punishment that we deserved, and he satisfied the wrath of God, he imputed his righteousness onto us, and that gives us right standing with the Father. So that when we live, when we walk each and every single day, we start living and walking in righteousness. That our mindset is bent towards, man, what is it that God sees right? What is it right in this moment that God would have me do? What can I glorify the Father with? Walking in righteousness instead of our evil ways and our evil desires. Because that 
protects your heart. Protects your heart. The next piece of this, he says, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The readiness by the gospel of peace. And our shoes, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I don't know about you, but me, when I have peace in my life, when I'm really sharing God's word and God's love with other people, when I have things that are in my life that I'm just being honest and truthful about, and I'm letting it all out there for God to see because he already knows it, I feel a little bit lighter. I feel a little bit swifter in my walk. Man, I feel like I can take on anything because the gospel of peace are the shoes that are fitted on my feet. Too many of us, when we deal with things in this life, where we, we get weighed down by the cares of this life, by our worries, by the difficulties that come, we walk around with our heads down and, and shoulders down because it's such a weight and a burden. But Jesus says that my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Right? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The good news of Christ. And then it says this, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation, a helmet, protects your head, it protects your skull, it protects your mind. So we think about salvation in and of itself, that we have a right standing with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have salvation in him who has set us free. And that protects our mind and our mindset. That no matter what comes at us from the left and the right, we can bank on the fact that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, this is the armor of God. Uh, it's easy to know that whether you like it or not, we're in a fight. This is war. Because Satan's already lost, and now he's just trying to drag anybody, anybody he can down with him. And the last and, and the beginning piece of the armor of God is everything that we put on, things that are just on us, protecting us. Right? The belt, the breastplate, the helmet, even the shoes have protection for your feet, but they allow you to move quickly. But there are two things that we get to hold in our hands. Two things that we get to utilize and use in this walk that we have with God. Two things that we can use in this life to, man, when we expect difficulties to come, to combat those things. Combat our thoughts. Combat everything that is coming at us from the left and the right. The first is the shield of faith. To extinguish the arrows of the evil one. And it's shield of faith, man, it's a lifting exercise. It's something that we have to physically do. When things come at us, we need to physically have a mindset of, man, no, I've got faith in the God who provides all things, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know who my God is and who he's called me to be. That's my faith. Even though I cannot see him, I know he is always there, always with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. That is your shield of faith. And the other thing, the sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon that we have is the sword of the Spirit. If you know anybody in the military, or maybe you've been in the military yourself, you go through extensive training with your weapon. You know all the details about it. You've taken it apart and put it back together multiple times over and over and over again. You know how every little piece of it works, and you've trained with it in scenarios over and over and over again so that you get it embedded in your mind exactly what to do, how to do it, and when to do it when difficulties arise. When you're in the fight, you go through training beforehand so that when you're in the fight, it's snap, split-second decisions that you don't even have to think about. It's just second nature that you're using this weapon that you've been given. 
And most of us in the Christian walk, we know that the Word of God is called the sword. We know that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It is, it is able to cut, right? Double, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through bone, marrow, all those things. It is our weapon. How many of us have trained with our weapon? How many of us can honestly say that we have taken the time to take apart God's Word? Put it back together. How many of us can actually say that we've taken the time to work through it? Bring up scenarios to where we might be able to use it and utilize it. Everything in here points back to the glory of the Father. Everything in here points to Jesus being the resurrection and salvation for us all. And there are things in here that will help you in your walk with God, help you to fight against temptation, help you to fight against the enemy, help you to stand firm in your walk with God. There are things in here that we need to utilize, but we need to have training with it. Do you have a brother or sister in Christ that you can walk up to and say, hey, look, here's what I'm dealing with. What do you got? Give me the word. Give me the scripture. Do you have it so ingrained in your mind that you're memorizing it so that when you don't have your Bible or your phone is dead, that you can pull up scripture whenever you need it? That God will bring those things to your mind. That you're utilizing the weapon that God has given you, that sword of the Spirit, so that when the enemy attacks, you can bring up your shield of faith, block the arrows, and strike back. Are you striking back? These tools that God has given us are underutilized because many of us don't know how to work it. Many of us never really take time to spend in God's Word. Many of us never really take time to sit there and gain wisdom and understanding through His Word. We take the five minutes maybe in our morning devotion and we spend it with somebody else's book that they've written about the Word that we're reading. And so that's their time spent with God that we're trying to get nutrients from instead of going to the source itself. What we need to do is to trust that God is who He says He is. We need to trust in the whole armor of God. We need to trust that when He says that the Word is a sword, that it is a sword, we need to trust in His provision and us being able to utilize it and work with it and train with it and spar with it. So that when difficulties come, it's not, it's not something that we have to think about. It's just automatic. There's a verse. Automatic. There's a promise. Automatic. There's something that we need right in the moment. The other aspect of that is in the military, when you have another soldier taking enemy fire, the first thing that, another, that you do is lay down cover fire. Go and rescue that person. You don't just walk by and leave them there and say, oh, glad it's not me. <laughs> then you run to their aid. So how many of us in our Christian walk, when there's somebody, maybe we don't even like the person, we see them struggling and dealing with something that they're not really talking about, but you know they're struggling with it. And you look at them and you say, glad it's not me. And you walk away. Man, we need to be loving them like Jesus loves them. We need to go headfirst in the battle with them, using our sword, defending them against the enemy, and speaking truth and love to that person, helping them to regain their stance. How many of us, when we struggle with things, secret things, that we haven't really said to anyone because we're afraid, but honestly, we really want somebody to know this, anybody, somebody to say something, somebody to come in and give us a word of encouragement, somebody to say, look, I see that you're struggling with this. I've been there. Here's what God's Word says about it. Let me walk with you through it. 
Man, we need to be utilizing the tools that God has given us. And if we're not, then all we're doing is sidelining ourselves and we're allowing Satan to win. We're sitting on the sideline of the war with our armor on all nice and shiny and we've got no fight in us. None. Because we're not utilizing the things that we're given for our hands. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Fear comes from the enemy. Fear is taking those doubts and those worries and those things and it's, and it's expanding upon them and getting us to believe the lies that he is throwing at us so that we walk away from God. Sometimes not intentionally. But that's what fear does. It rips us from the Father because it's, it's an unknown territory. See, that doesn't come from God. God gives the spirit of power. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, boldness. Right? We have the power of God in the Word of God right here. The Holy Spirit is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He's given us the spirit of love. Perfect love casts out fear, does it not? The love that we have from the Father should cover all things, regardless of what we're going through. Our mindset should not be, man, I messed up. I, I don't want to go to the Father. It's, I messed up. I need my Father, right? And then the last one, he gives us a spirit of self-discipline. Yeah, that's one that nobody likes. I think all of us kind of skip over that. Who likes self-discipline? Who likes having the mindset of actually working through something and getting to a point where it is second nature to you? Self-discipline. In prayer. In study of the Word. In fellowship. In discipling another person. Picking them up and bringing them with you. Self-discipline. I think we all need a little bit of that. I'm going to leave you with this. All through the Old Testament, and some of the New Testament, but mostly in the Old Testament, you see the saying over and over and over again. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and courageous. It was actually an ancient Hebrew war cry that the soldiers would shout to each other as they're running headfirst in the battle. And the way that they would say it was, Rock, Kazak, Amaz. And they would shout this to each other because they knew that in the God who, whom they serve would provide for them, would be there for them, would give them the strength to endure, be strong and of good courage. So as we walk in this life, as we go through these difficult times, as we deal with the things that are around us from the left and to the right, as we see a brother or sister falling in Christ, be strong and courageous. Allow God's courage and his strength to flow through you. Allow him to fill you up to the point that you can no longer contain it. Get into the Word, train with it, war with it, battle with it. Ask God the tough questions and watch what He'll do. Become obedient to what God has called you to do in His Word and to love people without restraint. Be strong and of good courage. Even the people that you don't like, that's hard. Be strong and of good courage. Even as you're walking through the difficult moments and you think that there is no way that God will ever be able to use this for his good, I guarantee you he can and he will. Because even the pain that we endure in this life, God uses it for his glory and our good. Romans tells us that. And I've been through way too much of my life and I've seen it happen multiple times to not believe that. As you're walking through it, be strong and of good courage. Rock, Kazakh, Amaz. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you again just for your love and your mercy, Lord. I pray that as we continue to deal with the things in our lives, the difficulties that come, that we would expect them, that we wouldn't be taken back or caught off guard, but that we would be able to train with your word, God, that we would be able to utilize it and use it in the moment and snap decisions and things that come at us from the left and the right, God, that we can be right at the forefront of this fight with ourselves, our own minds, our own thoughts, our own desires, God, that we will be able to slay our pride, our our sinful desires, our lust, our gossip, all those things. We will be able to fight back against the enemy and trust in who you say you are. Because you are good. And you are righteous. And you are holy. And you are an amazing Father. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.